Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guests are Federico Subervi, Ph.D., who is professor at Texas State University, and Stacy Connaughton, Ph.D., who is a faculty member at Purdue University. Today we will discuss the mass media and Latino politics based on the recently published book by the same title. Federico is director of the Center for the Study of Latino Media and Markets at the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Texas State University, San Marcos. Since the early 1980s, he has been conducting research, publishing, and teaching on a broad range of issues related to the mass media and ethnic minorities, especially Latinos in the United States. He is editor of and author of the book, The Mass Media and Latino Politics, Studies of U.S. Media Content, Campaign Strategies, and Survey Research from 1984 to 2004. Federico is the principal investigator of two research grants, one from the Ford Foundation and another from the Social Science Research Council, focused on analyzing the diversity of Latino-oriented media in Central Texas. He is also the principal investigator of a McCormick Tribune Foundation grant to assess the practices and policies of Texas and Illinois for communicating with non-English speaking populations during emergency situations. Stacy teaches graduate and undergraduate courses in organizational communication theory and leadership at Purdue. Her research interests include identification and leadership in geographically distributed contexts, particularly as these issues relate to virtual teams and organizations and political parties. Her published work has appeared in the Small Group Research, Journal of Communication, Management Communication Quarterly, Communication Studies, Communication Yearbook, the Howard Journal of Communications, Corporate Communication and Internal Journal, Knowledge Management Review, and her book, Inviting Latino Voters, Party Messages and Latino Party Identification, was published in 2005 by Rutledge. She is also a contributing author of the book, The Mass Media and Latino Politics. Stacy is a Senior Consortium Research Fellow at the U.S. Army Research Institute, where she serves as the consortium's thought leader on virtual leadership and teams. She is a member of the advisory board of the Leadership Institute at ICF International and has served as an academic representative to the Conference Board of New York's Knowledge Management and Learning Division. She has facilitated workshops and written guidebooks for corporate, governmental, educational, administrative, and student groups in the areas of virtual teams, leadership, team building, and strategic planning in the United States, Canada, and China. From 2002 to 2005, she served as the co-founder and director of the Student Leadership Development Institute and was a faculty member in the Department of Communication at Rutgers University. Federico and Stacy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Elena. This is such a hot topic right now. I imagine that you have had a lot of interest since the release of the book. Would you help us get into the topic with an introduction to the mass media and Latino politics issues in general. For many years, scholars and pundits and other folks have talked about the Latino vote. They, uh, a few academics have written books about Latino politics. Many have written books about political communication and a few recent books about Latinos and communication. This is the first book to bring together Latinos, media, and politics, and providing a long-range, a 20-year span of assessing the interrelationship between the role of the mass media in English and Spanish and U.S. Latino politics. It is timely given that it gives a foundation for understanding what's going on in the current campaign. But at the same time, it reveals things that previous scholars had not assessed in the role and the impact of the media and the use of the media to reach out and get Latino votes.
when we talk about mass media, what are we referring to? Because these days, of course, media itself and the definition of media is under siege. So what, what are you referring to when you talk about mass media in this environment? In the context of the book, it refers to how general market, English language newspapers and general market television, the network news, and some local news have covered issues pertaining to Latinos and Latinos during electoral years. It also refers to how Spanish language newspapers and Spanish language television have covered political news of all types during elections. It also includes, for the context of the book, how the Democratic Party and the Republican Party have used television and print advertisements to reach out to Latinos. In future editions of this research, there will be assessments of how the parties use the Internet and how the public uses the Internet to learn about political issues focusing on Latinos. That is not part of the text, but we recognize it as an important medium for the Internet, as an important medium for all types of communication and certainly political communication in the current and forthcoming elections. You talked about mainstream media and Latino media. What are the commonalities between those two medias in terms of their approach to the Latino markets? And in what areas do they differ? There's a difference in terms of the focus of the Latino as a source and the Latino issues that are highlighted. They are similar in that, for the most part, both English language and Spanish language media cover elections as a horse race. Who's ahead in the polls? Who's winning? Who's getting most of the Latino votes? Those are common issues. And for English language media, when there is a focus on Latino, it tends to be when the candidates visit the Latino communities, and then there is in print, uh, not so much in print, in broadcast, the backdrop of the mariachis and the dancing ladies with their colorful dresses and the music uh, that, that gives color to the candidates' visit to the Latino community. In Spanish-language media, print and broadcast, there is a bit more of the emphasis on the issues, although not as much as we'd like it to be, but certainly more focus on the issues that are relevant to Latinos in political campaigns. I heard you mention language, English language media and Spanish language media, but of course there is English language media directed specifically to the Latino markets. When you use the, the word English language in this context, are you referring only to mainstream media, or is English language media targeting Latinos included in the Latino media section? Not in this book, because we focused on Univision and Telemundo's coverage of the campaign and how major newspapers, La Opinión, El Diario La Prensa, El Nuevo Herald, and a few others covered the campaign during the 84 to 2004 elections, presidential elections. But we recognize that there is a lot to be studied that has yet to be published on how Hispanic business, Hispanic magazine, and other English language publications and even some television shows and some bilingual radio stations, although radio stations don't do much in terms of political coverage except in the Miami area, how those Latino-oriented English language media also play a role in politics. In future studies, and certainly already in this current campaign, a major source of information are the English language websites that focus on issues and topics of relevance to Latinos. 
These are the ones produced by the political parties and also the ones that something like CandidatoUSA.com had going for many months that had English language information focusing specifically on Latinos. But again, in the book, the focus is either on Spanish language, television or newspapers, or on English language, general market uh, media. In a nutshell, Federico, what would you say is the attitude, if we could generalize? I realize that we're talking about a vast number of media outlets, but is there a general attitude of the English language media, as you've described them, in relation to the U.S. Hispanic market, the 45 million people that we're looking at? When it comes to campaigns, the, the general approach is it's a blip in the radar on specific moments when there is talk about the importance of the Latino vote. Are they conservative? Are they liberal? Are they Catholic? Are they uh, more socially oriented or economically conservative or whatever it is? And then after the particular race is over in Texas or California, then it's forgotten until the candidates go visit the Latino communities. Otherwise, the issues that are relevant to Latinos are forgotten or left as just passing mentions, if at all. That's not the case in Spanish language media in general, because there is a more consistent coverage and more diversified coverage. And sadly, that type of coverage that is in Spanish then is not available to the English-speaking Latino who relies on English-language media to know what's going on for his or her community. Are there regional differences? Yes. Uh, not in general market media, but there are regional differences in the fact that people who live in major metropolitan areas, New York, Miami, uh, Chicago, San Antonio, Los Angeles, these, re these major metropolitan areas that have major Spanish language media and maybe some English language but Latino-oriented outlets are better informed than the Latinos who are in communities that have limited access to such media. And then they have limited information to get involved and participate in the electoral process. Let's go back for a second to the book, if you would, and, and tell our listeners a little bit about it. Federico, of course, this is your project. You're the architect and uh, sort of headmaster. You're the editor, if I understand correctly. Yes. And there are a total of 22 authors that have contributed to the book. Can you give us an idea of the depth and breadth of the work how much time did it require, and what kind of research did you do in order to gather information about all of these media outlets? It, it's a 20-plus year effort because it began when I was interested in politics as a beginning assistant professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara. That's when I really launched into studying Latino media and politic issues precisely because it was absent in the literature that I had studied about political communication and Latinos and media or Latinos and politics. So I wanted to get the, the research that brought in the role of media in Latino politics here in the United States. Being from Puerto Rico, where politics are a daily breakfast, lunch, dinner, and in-between snacks, why was it missing here? And I started studying the media thanks to grants from the Ford Foundation, the Tinker Foundation, and a few others. I was able to launch into the beginning research, studying the content of newspapers, the content of Univision Telemundo, uh, the content of the network news, and then the English language newspapers. Slowly, I got uh, some of these works published in different venues, but there was a need for a major book, but a major book that covers so much, including the organizational strategies of the parties to get the Latino vote, the advertising strategies, the survey research, that requires the collaboration of many scholars, as it is the case of the book. There are people who have volumes just about newspaper coverage of campaigns and people who have courses and research just about television or advertising or experiments. 
and this is in general market English language and general population. So this was the very first effort ever to bring all of these areas from organizational to content to theory to research methodologies to survey research, all of this together regarding Latino media and politics and to make it possible, it required, as I said, this collaboration of these different authors and certainly the, the, the backing, moral support, editorial guidance and many times from someone like Stacy, and that's why she's with us today too because she was an inspiration in her work when she was a student, then her own work as a scholar that she's branched off independently and quite successfully in looking at an important part of this process, which is the organizational component of the parties to reach out to Latinos. In terms of the information itself, you talk about 1984 to 2004, how many media outlets did you look at? How many interviews? What, what kind of scope are we looking at? We're looking at a very broad scope of the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, San Antonio Express News, the Miami Herald, ABC News, CBS News, NBC News. Then in Spanish language, the La Opinión, El Diario La Prensa, El Nuevo Herald, Diario Las Americas, uh, those were the dailies at the time. There was another daily in Chicago that phased out. Uh, Noticias del Mundo, when it was in existence, now it, it, it's uh, been closed, but we studied that one too. Then, of course, Univision, Telemundo, it required many, many hours of interviews with the people at the radio stations and television stations. It required hours of interviews with the political uh, operatives directed to Latinos at the Democratic National Committee, at the Republican National Committee, friends, networks, people who, who knew about what was going on in politics, focusing on the media and Latinos, and then survey research that took another chunk of time to assess the role of media in the survey research, something that has been usually neglected by the people who do survey research about Latinos who have questions about where do you go, why do you vote, what are your opinions, and then they forget to ask the appropriate questions regarding the role of media, English and Spanish, for assessing why Latinos have political knowledge and then vote or don't vote. And that all together is quite, uh, quite an effort over all these years, and it kept getting postponed until finally got it all packed up and, and ready for the publisher, and they were more than happy to complete it and get it out for this election year. And of course, we know what a labor of love the project of that size and with so many contributors can be. It would not have been possible without all those collaborators, including, of course, Stacy. but it, 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 I could not do this on my own. Even from the beginning research, the content analysis required research assistance from California to Texas and all over. Uh, in different cities, gathering information, getting contacts, and making it possible, little steps at a time until it all came through. And the result, of course, is a book divided into three parts and 17 chapters with a detailed analysis of these issues. You talked about interviews with some of the people in the know. How was that process? Was it easy to access these people and how forthcoming were they when you sat down with them to get information? It's interesting that I was among the first and I'm sure Stacy was also among the first as she was doing some of her own interviews to question these people and ask them, tell us about what you're doing to get the Latino vote. What, what efforts are you making through media and otherwise to get the Latino vote? And being the first ones among the first academics to ask them these questions they were more than willing to share with us, including secrets that I'm not sure some of them might make too happy that we've published, but they were not secrets when they told us and they said, yeah, you can use this, such as the use of opinion columns that were written by the Republican National Committee and then published in different newspapers across the country with different bylines. Kathy Villalpondo, George W. Bush, and then another one, an anonymous one, word for word the exact same opinion column written by a, a, a Latino outreach operative at the Republican National Committee 
and knowing that no one would be scrutinizing this, but it would serve their purpose to get this particular opinion out there. And they were more than happy to share that because they were proud of getting the message out about their party and their leaders. And, uh, that, hey, you're asking us about what we're doing. Look at all the things that we do. We have a great operation here. And uh, on the other hand, at the Democratic Party, they had their own strategies, and sometimes it was like, wow, you're not doing much compared to the other guys. And they said, yes, we're, we have uh, financial difficulties, but we have uh, the effort. And by the way, since we get most of the Latino vote, it's okay because, uh, you know, we'll get that, that vote because both of the Latinos are Democrats, uh, not realizing that that was hurting the party and, and it was being eroded by these slowly but surely efforts of the Republicans. And I'm sure Stacey can share some of the insights that she gathered when she shared some of her interviews over the years. And that, that was another fascinating part as she went to look at the organizational component of that. Stacey, would you like to share that now? Sure, sure, Elena. Um, you know, I actually, as Federico was, was speaking, I was thinking back to about the year 19, was it 1998 or 97, Federico, when Andy Hernandez came to your... 96. 96, to your graduate seminar, um, and Andy Hernandez actually uh, was one of the, the individuals that I later had a privilege to, to sit down and, and interview, and um, that was because of Federico's uh, graduate seminar at the University of Texas. Um, uh, Andy, of course, uh, was the director of the Office of Latino Outreach in, uh, what was it, from 90, the early 90s up through the 96 election, um, really instrumental in um, uh, making the OLO of the Democratic Party uh, very much uh, have a systematic approach to courting Latinos, and particularly in 96 is very relevant for the state of Florida um, in kind of in championing uh, that state for uh, uh, Clinton. Um, I, you know, I share Federico's uh, experience with talking with these folks. They were more than willing to sit down and, and talk about the strategies, um, not so much during the campaign, but, but certainly afterwards, and uh, we learned a tremendous amount from them. Perhaps between the two of us, or rather between the two of you, you can share with us what the attitudes of the two parties are in relation to the Latino market. How do they see Latinos from a voting constituency perspective? How much effort, how much time, and, and what kind of a view of the market do they have? Federico, would you like me to, to begin right, and then, yes, and then chime and in, of course? <laughs> um, I'll chime in. Okay. We... Um, you know, in, in our research, um, and this certainly appears in, in Federico's book, um, you know, we've chronicled kind of the history that both parties have had uh, with with Latinos, and um, you know that we could we could go a little bit farther back than 1984, but I think 1984 is such an important year and uh, the early 1980s in general because I think that really marked the time when both Democrats and, and Republicans on the national level. Um, really uh, started paying a lot of attention to the Latino vote, and they did that in very um, systematic ways. Um, you know, we argue in, in the book that uh, the Republican Party in some ways has been a little bit more systematic and a little bit more future-oriented uh, than the Democrats have, and, um, you know, there are all sorts of reasons why that might be the case. Um, certainly the Democrats have had a long history with Latinos, particularly with Mexican-Americans and Puerto Ricans, um, and have certainly, um, uh, in terms of issues and policy, um, have been uh, concerned with many of the the issues that Latinos are concerned with, and so they they've really had a long, well-established history. Um, Republican parties have uh, the Republican Party rather has had a little bit. Uh, uh, more that they needed to do in order to build that relationship with Latinos. Of course, um, Cuban Americans for many years have been uh, very loyal to the GOP, uh, but the Republican Party also sees Latinos as very much uh, a voting bloc that they would like um, very much to court uh, and build relationships with. And so I think since 1980, the early 1980s, we've seen them, them doing that in very systematic ways. One of the differences with the Republican Party versus the Democrats is that their ideology or their main approach to getting the Latino vote is the saying, not in their words as much as what comes through with their advertising that Stacey has analyzed and a few others have analyzed and we write in particularly in Chapter 12, 
that their approach is Latinos and other minorities are here, or immigrants are here to reach the American dream, and the Republican Party is the path to reach the American dream. Whether or not it's true is another story, but that's their approach to their propaganda and their efforts. They don't address the issues, the problems that they face, that the minorities, the Latinos face, whereas the Democratic Party, in their advertisements, start with there's a problem, housing, discrimination, education problems. Here's the problem, vote for us, and that comes out in their uh, political advertisement, which many times has not been well uh, polished in, in the outcome, except the year that Andy Hernandez was the main architect of the spots, and the other people contributed to make sure that those spots were a lot more polished than previous years or subsequent years. So there's a big difference in terms of the American dream, we don't address the issues, but just the American dream, vote for us, and, and you'll reach the American dream versus... There are problems out there. We're here for you. Vote for us. We'll help you solve those problems, or we'll help solve those problems, and that will help you as a Latino. Those are quite different approaches. Yes, and, and Elena, you know, we we um, we see that certainly. I think you know, up up through uh, up through 2004, and it it really speaks to I think a very different um, set of philosophies within the parties about how one courts uh, Latinos. And I remember. Um, uh, Lionel Sosa sharing uh, a story um, with us about uh, he, of course, was responsible uh, for many of the advertisements, uh, Latino-oriented advertisements that the GOP produced um, since the time of Ronald Reagan. Um, and I remember a story uh, that he shared with us that um, you know the Reagan had uh, once told him that uh, he believed that Latinos were Republican and they just didn't know it, right? Because the Republican Party uh, shared Latinos' uh, values of, of faith and family, um, among other things. And so Reagan uh, and Sosa believed that really the way to kind of build those relationships with with Latinos was to talk about those common values of faith and family in their ads. And um, I think you know that the analyses that Federico and I have done um, over the years have really shown that strategy to emerge in the advertisement. How effective have these strategies proved to be through the, your your dates that you looked at? They have the, the the Republican Party has reached out to the middle class, up and coming, aspirational acculturating uh, or acculturated, more acculturated Latino, uh, the businessmen and women who have, more than anything else, seen a, a personal connection. It does not mean that that translates to policies, economic policies, housing policies, educational policies that have benefited the larger segment of the population, Latinos or otherwise, but it certainly has made an inroad in the image, in the illusion, or reality, for some would say, some would say more it's an illusion, of participating in making a difference in that acculturation success process. So they have slowly eroded a significant segment of that Latino population, not the larger, broad population of Latinos across the country, but eroded a significant base that used to be more traditionally and just based on tradition and loyalty, Democrat now has saying, well, for my particular social class, my particular business interests, these GOP folks seem to be more attuned to me. If nothing else, they're reaching out to me more, so I'll pay more attention to them. The Democratic Party assuming that they had this Latino vote, had for many years said, we have this vote, they'll vote for us, we have limited funds, we can't reach out to them, they know that we represent them better, that our policies for education, housing, uh, tax, and whatever else would be more attuned to that general broad population, and lacking sending this message, courting, connecting on a regular basis, at the local level, at the national level, in, in regional level, it lost that, that, that personal touch that the GOP folks did develop. Do you have any kind of a 
measuring tool in the analysis that helps you gauge some sort of impact to the strategies that the parties used. Stacy, you want me to come and um, I, you know, in in um, our work, a lot of what we've done, um, for, especially on the on the organizational side, is kind of map out the strategy, and we've mapped out um, kind of where we see the strategy emerging in the political ads themselves. Um, in terms of effects, you're act you're asking a very important question. Um, and Federico, you know, please uh, please add in here too. Um, our at least the work that I have done hasn't ascertained effects of those ads um, in in a very specific scientific sense. Uh, but if we amass a lot of other kinds of data, turnout data, for example. Um, uh, other kinds of, of information about how Latinos view the political parties, um, which in that work, you know, we certainly have done. Um, you know, if, if we start to triangulate a lot of different sources of data, um, you know, it, it paints a very interesting picture in that uh, the Republicans seem to be making some inroads with uh, Latino populations. In fact, um, colleagues of ours, uh, Kate Kinsky and uh, her colleague, the first name is escaping me, the last name is Tissinger, um, have just published a piece to talk about, uh, present some data for the years 2000 and 2004 and how the GOP has indeed um, made some inroads uh, with Latinos in terms of um, uh, kind of garnering their their allegiances. So, um, you know, those sorts of data we have amassed, Elena, and it, it paints again a very interesting picture of just how systematic and effective the GOP strategy has been. The survey research is the most used tool to assess shifts in population trends of voting and opinion. Survey research will show that from 1984 to up to 2004 there was a slow but steady increase in Latinos voting Republican, although not it's not totally linear, but it's a curve being an upward bound. The thing is that it hasn't surpassed the threshold that the GOP has hoped for or expected, and it certainly declined significantly in the 2006 election, precisely because of the backlash against the anti-immigrant rhetoric and campaigns that, if not GOP candidates uh, for president, certainly, well, some of them did in the, in, in the most recent debates of 2008, but the general public discussion that was anti-immigrant, not undocumented immigrant uh, only because it became anti-Latino across the board. Anti-Latinos were, were the, the statements of the banner of, of the battle cries of many of the candidates across the board and Latinos, Democrats and Republicans upset about this approach, voted against the GOP and also the war and the policies of the, of the Republican Party at the time. That shows that even though there has been an erosion of part of that Latino base for the Democrats, it's not a fixed erosion, that it's not a constant fix that will not turn back when the issues and the candidates change. And that will be more revealed in November at the outcome of the 2008 election, which way Latinos go. Still, one thing that has changed and the evidence that we have is the conversations that we have over time with people saying the Democratic Party used to be more attuned to us, pay more attention to us. They were more in line and, and communicating with us. Now it's only paying attention to us if we are a battleground state, a critical force for winning a particular state or, or region, but not overall, which is the difference compared to the Republican Party that has a national strategy, or at least it had a national strategy across the board. Whether or not it was a battleground state, there were these courting efforts. The evidence, again, becomes the word-of-mouth feeling of disenchantment or dissolution, not necessarily that it would be turning into a different vote, 
but just the statement of that. The survey research has not been critical enough or acute enough to assess the role of the media and the, and the strategies of the media. It just shows, time one, how many are voting Democrat versus Republican, time two, how many are voting Democrat or Republican, time three, et cetera, et cetera, what are the trends, but it doesn't, the survey research that we've looked at, at least certainly from my point of view, has not addressed the, the specific impact of particular campaign uh, propaganda in, in one moment. That requires experimental studies and other types of more fo focused research that very few scholars, Latinos or non-Latinos, have conducted. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned 2006 and the 2008 election because I had been hesitant to pose those questions seeing that the book uh, coverage ended in 2004. How much of the data in the analysis that you have in the book can we use to draw conclusions into 2008? More than pro conclusions, projections. And, and it's interesting because one of my students, I have a team of students looking at different media already and how they're covering Latino issues. And a couple of weeks ago, I asked one of my students who's looking at the network news. This is ABC, CBS, NBC, and I think CNN coverage, but mostly the first three major networks. And I asked her, what's the update of your study looking at Latino vote, Hispanic vote, and any stories regarding that? And she said, Professor, there's not much out there. And I said, well, surprise, surprise, that's similar to what we found in previous years, and the pattern is quite similar. Mm -hmm. The newspaper study is ongoing. The students is, uh, told me, the other students is doing that, said it's quite similar to what you found in previous years. But again, there's this peak when there's discussion about the importance of the Latino vote. There's the absence of the issues and the relevant particulars of the party platform and candidate platforms and issues other than immigration. So that's a general pattern. What is more foreseeable in the 2008 election is in the strategies that will be used by the two parties for their, their political spots once the Democrats have completed their selection of their nominee for president. I predict, and Stacy, tell me if you would consider the same or something different, that the GOP, the Republican National Committee, uh, the McCain, will be using Mr. Leonel Sosa. In fact, they are already working together to create these spots that this is our friend. This is the one who values Latinos. He's the one who our patriotic soldiers uh, vouch for, and he's the one who will help us all as Latinos more than anybody else. He's the one who's been in tune with us. When the campaign focuses on the general population, there'll be a lot of border security, anti-immigrant innuendos, uh, more of the typical get-out-the-conservative legions who will vote that Republican, even for a moderate or supposedly moderate Republican. So they'll have one campaign that will be in particular for the general population and another one for the Latinos. And in the Latino population, you will not see the ads that say, of course, they wouldn't have it, that even with McCain at the helm, the strategies of having the border fences and these breaking the families, if they're undocumented, it doesn't matter, that will continue. The strategies to get the, the Latino vote will be different than the strategies to get the non-Latino vote. For the Latino, the effort will be on the patriotism, on the soldiers who are supportive of, of McCain, of, of his loyalty, of his understanding, his connection with the Latino community, of him being a different one compared to others. But for the general population, the strategies will be the, the strong anti-immigrant, anti-undocumented immigrant, the border security rhetoric that will bring the conservative, traditional conservatives to, to mobilize them to vote. The, the, the propaganda will not address 
that most of the strategies of the border that is not even liked by Governor, the Republican Governor Perry, will continue under that administration that the, the, the DREAM Act and other legislation to reform immigration will not be that much different even with McCain because uh, the people behind him, the, the administration, other than him and even in his own statement, will not be that much different uh, for, for whatever the rhetoric in the, during, the, the, during the debates. He could not answer that question even in the Spanish language uh, or the Univision CNN debate. Uh, he addressed mostly the security issues and to secure that Republican vote, he'll have, again, a general patriotism, softer, humbler approach to the Latino, but a different one to the general market. For the Democrats, we can predict a different approach, one that will address these issues that will be of a more humanitarian reform and, and a more addressing the issues of housing, education, and certainly the war in Iraq, which more than 70, 80 percent of Latinos oppose. So I can predict that the efforts will be different. Uh, if Clinton were the nominee for the party, she has the advantage that many of the folks that Bill had, uh, that Bill Clinton had, are now working with her, and they know how to reach out. They have the connections. They know the Latino media and other general media to reach out to different populations much more than the previous, than what Gore did. Obama is learning, and I think he has or will have a wonderful team also to do the same. What messages will come from that are still a bit difficult to predict, but he does have one person who has worked for his Texas campaign that if he were, that if Obama were the, the nominee, will do an outstanding job, and I know that because James Aldrete, a former student of mine, has been doing great uh, political advertising for different successful candidates in this area, and if he were to be brought in for the general campaign, if Obama were the nominee, he knows how to have a, a, an emotional approach and issue approach combined, not just one or the other. So that's what I've been predicting when I've been talking about what's coming and what we learned from the previous campaigns that will help us understand the 2008 now, we're talking about the Latino market from the beginning as if it was one homogenous, uniform market that was easy to reach and easily identifiable, when in fact we know it's highly diversified and segmented, not to mention scattered across the country. Are there any differences in terms of Latinos' attitudes toward the media coverage the, the sources of information that Latinos are using to gather information to make up their minds for their own perceptions? And if so, what are they? And what are their, if there are any differences, what are their opinions in relation to the parties? Stacey, you want to take a stab at that? Well, I was thinking um, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, Elena, I think the, the parties recognize um, very much that uh, Latinos are not a homogenous group, and in fact, um, I remember uh, Andy Hernandez sharing uh, how he hired when he in '96 uh, for the '96 campaign, um, the Office of Latino Outreach for the Democratic National Committee had um, hired one advertising group um, to kind of to focus on the Southwest, um, and a different one to focus on uh, New York, New Jersey, and the Northeast. Um, uh, the argument was that uh, the Latino-oriented advertising group from the Southwest would understand kind of Mexican-American population um, and its nuances better than um, the the advertising group hired out of the Northeast um, that was to cater to the, the Puerto Rican kind of um, audience a little bit more, uh, and the Dominican as well. So um, I think the parties understand those differences. I think um, you will see uh, the Republicans, though, um, 
and, and they'll talk about this, that they're uh, courting Latinos more generally on values that they believe um, all, Latino, all Latinos in them hold in common. And again, those are the ones that Federico and I have talked about before, faith, family, uh, patriotism, the uh, love of the American dream, those sorts of things. Could you expand a little bit on, okay, so the parties recognize the difference. How is this affecting the recipients, if you will, the Latinos themselves? Sure, sure. I, I, you know, it, it is one thing certainly to send all sorts of messages uh, to citizens, um, to spend a lot of money designing those messages, but then um, how Latinos receive those messages, of course, uh, and how they act upon them is, is incredibly important to the political process. And I, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see in 2008 uh, what happens. And I think some of what Federico shared a little bit before um, plays in here. Federico, do you want to? Pick up. Yes, one of the differences is that in the Miami area, the media, the way we studied it in these previous years, focused more on a connection between the candidates, the parties, and the local community. The other media had more of a tendency to cover the campaign in general without the same, for example, in headlines. Mexican Americans and a particular candidate or a particular candidate's effort with the the the, the Puerto Rican the, the 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 Mexican the other Hispanic voters. So the reference to Latino was missing in a lot of the headlines, even among some Spanish language media. There was a lot of political coverage, the campaign, the candidate, but not making the connection with the Latino whereas that was more of a common thread in the, in the media in the Miami area. The Cuban vote, the Republicano and the Cubano, uh, Bush y los Cubanos, when you see those references, it, people pay more attention to that which they perceive as ethnically re relevant to them. Whether or not the media this year are having more of that ethnic Latino-specific reference, I do not know because we've not done that study yet. But overall, there is an effort by the candidates and the parties to make those specific connections, and they do know, as Stacy mentioned, that there are these regional differences. In even Miami, uh, I'm sorry, Florida, there are differences between Miami and Orlando. Orlando has over 150,000, I believe, Puerto Rican and non-Cuban residents, and most of those had traditionally been Democrats from Puerto Rico, where the Republican Party from the olden days is not very favored. The Republican Party has made major inroads with that population in terms of business connections and, and middle-class connections, but it's not the same as it is in the Miami area with the primarily Cuban population. It's not that all Cubans are Republican and all Puerto Ricans are Democrats, but the proportions are quite opposite in terms of the majorities in both of those regions for one party or the other. If a Democrat wants to win in Florida, the effort will have to be one for Miami and a different one for the Orlando area. Same thing for the uh, Republicans but for the Democrats in particular, so that we do not have a repetition of Gore as when Gore was running, who gave up Florida because, oh, it's going to go Republican, and not knowing or at least ignoring the calls that many of the insiders who knew the difference of, my, of Florida would say, no, you can, and just go to, Florida, to Orlando and get that Puerto Rican vote a lot more, courted a lot more, do the personal interviews and visits with them a lot more, and you can win that. And we know the outcome of not having done that. We know the outcome of Gore not even having B-roll, meaning uh, what we call the footage of him shaking hands and mingling with Puerto Rican leaders or other Latino leaders so that the Democratic advertising company that was hired could produce spots showing him shaking hands and being with Latinos in the in, in, in anywhere and certainly not in that Florida area. I think that those lessons were learned internally and will not be repeated as the strategies for New York, Chicago, Florida, in general, the, the central Florida and the southern Florida, Texas, central, southwest, 
all those strategies are developed for the national campaign. One of the things that is on people's minds right now as we're recording, of course, is the competition between the two Democratic frontrunners. Do you have any insights on that? Um, you know, we, at the time of our recording, were mid-April uh, 2008, um, and, you know, certainly we've, uh, we've all listened to um, conversations in the general market and, and uh, Latino-oriented media as well about how um, divisive this primary season has been um, among the, the two Democratic candidates. I, um, you know, in some ways this is not uncommon for a uh, primary season in that, um, you know, primaries are, are often highly com uh, highly competitive moments. Uh, one could argue that this primary has, has uh, lasted a bit longer in terms of its uh, competitive flavor. Um, you know, but certainly the candidates are trying to differentiate themselves from one another. And, um, you know, from time to time, uh, that public discourse um, it can become a little bit divisive. Um, you know, it, it, certainly the, the issue of race in general has been one that has been um, on the forefront of public conversation um, for a variety of different reasons. Um, and I think, you know, the other concern among some is will the Democratic Party be able to unite um, once again and present kind of a unified front um, during the convention, after the convention, um, to take on its its GOP uh, counterparts, and you know, I, I think the party will come back together. I, uh, um, you know, again, we're we're projecting forward into the future, but I, um, uh, you know, despite some of the the divisive comments that we're seeing now, I think you know both of the Democratic candidates, um, you know, believe very strongly in in the future of this country, and uh, it, it later on uh, after the convention, I believe. Um, there will be a unified effort uh, amongst Democrats to um, to convince the nation that uh, their party is the party for the next 48 years. One difference between the Democrats and uh, and, and the Latinos is not race. Latinos are not voting more for Hillary because she's white, and not so much for Obama because he's black. Right. That was brought up by. One commentator, a pollster. Right. I disagree, and Latinos have, for many years, voted for African American candidates who they believe can be participant collaborators and, and good leaders for the community. And that's been the case in in Chicago, and then African Americans voting for Latinos, as was the case in Los Angeles and many other places that we could point out where the collaboration is not based on race, it's more on perception of competence. The advantage that Hillary has had with many Latinos that has been construed as a racial disfavor among Latinos for, uh, for an African American, the advantage that Hillary has had is the legacy, the years of working both on her own and with Bill with Latinos, with Latino leaders, and they courted these Latino leaders very early on when she was even running for Senate, or they just kept the friendship from when he was president. So that loyalty, that sense of participation, has a big, a big role in how Latinos have been voting in many places. It does not mean that when issues are brought up, there are many Latinos who say it's not uh, her, it's more Obama who, per, who, for their perception, would be a better leader, would, would attune, would address the issues that these, uh, these Latinos have. So again, it's not a racial issue. It's more a loyalty. It's more a tradition. It's more a courting effort that has been uh, much more in running in over years by the Clinton camp than by the the Obama camp, but it will change once the nominees are selected, and it's not going to be, I, I know for sure, that Latinos won't say, oh, I'm not going to vote for the black guy. Right. I, the, the, you know, the same, that will happen among a few, maybe a handful, relatively speaking, Latinos that will be the case among a few non-Latinos who say, no, I'm not going to vote for the black guy. 
for personal racial preferences or, or, or racism. But that's not the trend that just because you're Latino, you're going to vote for a particular race. It's going to be a matter of perceived leadership and the issues that will be of value for the constituents when they go into the ballot booth. And this is such an important point that Federico brings up because sometimes I think, you know, we we hear um, certain sound bites, right, um, over and over and over again, um, you know, certainly in the general market media, especially about um, uh, comments related to race. And it, it's it's important, I think, to, to remember that at the end of the day, as citizens, we all make a decision, right? And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, those decisions are... Um, are not based on those sound bites that oftentimes are out of context and misconstrued, but rather they're, um, you know, those decisions are based on, on the candidate's record and, and history with, with various issues and populations. There has been an, a significant increase in hate groups and hate group crimes in the United States over the last few years, peaking most recently, according to the data research, um, according to the research released by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and a very large percentage of that is aimed at immigrants, specifically Latino immigrants. Do you see this playing a role in the political process? Are the media, as some advocates are saying, climbing on that? horse and taking it as far as they can to their advantage. Did you see evidence of that in your research? The, the research is not survey research. It's systematic observation of public discourse and then outcomes of that discourse in certain locations. The systematic observations of the public discourse has been a repeated bashing of illegal immigrants, but worse off, the equating of the undocumented immigrants as a terrorist, potential terrorist, undermining the security of the United States, taking away jobs, and being threat to crime and the security of people in their daily lives. And that has gone on without observation, without critical statement, as equally strong, and I'm talking about the pundits on talk television and talk radio that have not had counterparts, that have not had equal time, if there were any equal time, of showing the research that would document how well the communities merge and the contribution of the immigrants economically, social, culturally. That counterpart of the positive contribution of the, of the immigrants, documented or undocumented, legal or illegal, has not had any play. So the outcome has been among those radical fringes of people who say, given all this talk, I'm going to take the law into my own hands and bash these folks, criminalize them, without having... Highest, the highest leaders of the nation reach out and stop that rhetoric during the presidential primaries of the Republican Party. It was the chorus of the leading chorus, the anti-immigration bashing that Tancredo and many others had again and again and again. Certainly the pundits on television, and we know from talk radio, which is primarily very much on the conservative fringe, repeating these incorrect messages, some of them accurate in terms of a particular problem or an issue that may have emerged, but incorrect in the generalization of Latinos as being criminals. Even Latinos who are Republicans started getting affected and disenfranchised, disenchanted with this, because now any dark-skinned Latino, any brown-skinned Latino Republican, Democrat, documented citizen of the United States or not, was being seen as a threat, potential threat, terrorist, potential terrorist, and being discriminated against. And absent from all of this was the voice of reason of the top leadership of the country, 
it play on the election? Certainly so, because I have heard it, I've seen it, that even many Republicans who would normally, Latino Republicans who would normally vote Republican are saying, I cannot vote for a party that vouched for this, that supported this with its silence and with its infrastructure that will continue even if McCain were the president. So they cannot see it that way, and it certainly will affect the outcome of this election. Well, and that brings me perfectly as a segue to my next question, which is we see evidence in the general market of people who vote with a party line. In other words, regardless of the candidate, they're going to vote Republican or they're going to vote Democrat. How much of that philosophy, how much of that same belief did you find in Latinos in your research, and does the mass media affect that process? This year, it'll be a bit different for what I was pointing out. Many Latinos, even some Republicans, are not very pleased with a party that has been in the forefront, or at least many of its leaders, presidential candidates, and others, and I'm including here congressmen who have had local legislation, mayors, governors, who have established local legislation that is not well thought out, maybe even unconstitutional, to restrict the problem of undocumented illegal immigration. The problem, again, is that it's taking a broad scope, it's taking a broad slap across Latinos in general and not being specific to the particular problem that should be a federal one, not a, a, a local, regional, city, community-wide legislation to address these issues. We know why the local folks are doing it. But again, even the Republican who are Latinos, the Latinos who are Republican, are feeling affected by the lack of human, humanistic approach and well-thought-out approach. When the governor of Texas, a, a Republican, very conservative governor, says that this wall that is being built between Texas and Mexico is a stupid idea that's not going to work its purpose, it tells you something of an infrastructure that people are perceiving in certain ranks of the Republican Party that's going to be difficult to overcome. Uh, Mr. Sosa and McCain are going to have to come up with some masterful political spots to overcome the impact that that legislation and those anti, not just illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants, policies that anti-Latino rhetoric has already had. So it will play out in some form or fashion in this campaign. Thank you, Federico and Stacy, for joining us today from Austin, Texas, and West Lafayette, Indiana. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us, Thank Elena. Thank you for having us with this opportunity. And to our audience, Thank you for listening to Stacy Connaughton, Ph.D., who is a faculty member of Purdue University, and Federico Suberi, Ph.D., who is professor at Texas State University San Marcos about the mass media and Latino politics, based on the recently published book by the same title, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at HispanicMPR.com. Expand your reach. Improve your bottom line by reaching America's largest minority effectively with information from the experts. Listen to presentations from national experts in downloadable audio presentations and extended interviews about 
Marketing to Multicultural Kids, presented by Michelle Valdovinos, who is Senior Vice President at Phoenix Multicultural. Hispanic Perspectives on Advertising, presented by Liria Barbosa, who is Research Director at CNR Research. The Changing Latino Landscape, presented by Cesar Melgoza, who is Managing Director of Latin Force Group. Best in Class Hispanic Strategies, presented by Carlos Santiago, President, and Doreen Allen, Managing Partner of Santiago Solutions Group. Segmentation by Level of Acculturation, presented by Miguel Gomez Weinbrenner, who is Senior Consultant at Cheskin. For more information on these presentations, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com backslash resources backslash hmpr hyphen products. Thank you.